Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. It's Janine Toro here. We're an LGBT podcast highlighting people in the community doing some incredible things with their lives and careers. And we're here to share these stories with you, our listeners. Today we have on Joey Stern. A little about Joey. He's the founding member and president of Geeks Out, a not-for-profit group that rallies and empowers and promotes the queer geek community. Joey, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I came across Joey through FlameCon, which is... I've been calling it the gay Comic-Con. So <laughs> <laughs> everyone else was like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's like Comic-Con, but it's all like queer or LGBT artists that are, you know, represented in it. So do you want to talk a little bit about, maybe a little bit about you and about FlameCon? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, I always use the word queer as opposed to LGBT. Mm-hmm. There's a hint of sort of political component to queer that I like. And especially when it comes to like comics and that kind of thing, it, it, it feels more inclusive by being a little bit more specific, but we are an LGBTQIA organization. <laughs> and uh, FlameCon is definitely a gay Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's an accurate way to describe it. I guess I should say a little bit about me. I am the president of Geeks Out, one of the co-founding members, along with Josh Siegel. And we started Geeks Out, which is a, a queer comic group, five years ago. And then two years ago at this point, we decided we were going to put on our own comic convention after going to other people's comic convention conventions for the intervening three years. So for us, it was a big sort of step forward to sort of say like, oh, we're going to, we're going to make something that's just for us as opposed to we're going to make something that's like, that's for everybody. And then we kind of come in. Yeah. So this was going to be like anybody who you know, we're open to everyone. You can be someone who has chosen to be straight and, and still enjoy FlameCon, but it's designed from the ground up to be an inclusive event that really strives to both make sure that the attendees as well as the uh, exhibitors and artists and panelists and special programming people are thinking about all of the people who are coming when they're putting stuff together. You know, at a lot of comic conventions, there tends to be a little bit of a gay 101 kind of thing happening for the panels like okay hey we're gay indie artists what does that mean right whereas for flamecon a lot of the panels tend to be like very specific like queer blackness in comics and that's really like that's a lot more niche than you're going to get at a new york comic-con or san diego comic-con but also really important and really interesting and super smart and that kind of thing becomes a lot more visible when you have a bunch of queers together, you can wind up having conversations that wind up being about your community from inside your community. And that was really the sort of goal of FlameCon was like, here's going to be a safe space that also like encourages discourse and community. Um, and hopefully uh, you attended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we, we were able to uh, achieve that. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because when I was telling one of my coworkers I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to this thing called FlameCon this weekend. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, you know, it's basically a Comic-Con, but it's representing LGBT queer people. And she's like, I don't understand why there has to be sort of just like an event for gay people, for like a gay Comic-Con versus it just being part of the greater Comic-Con. And it's exactly what you said, you know, it, it, and it's, 
maybe it's just because we come from that LGBT bucket that we have that perspective, but it's this interesting thing to also look at people that honestly, like aren't necessarily ignorant people, but they don't understand like the importance of the community or I don't know. It's this interesting concept, right? Like, I think it's very funny because if you say to someone like, oh, me and my family like to get together and and once a year we have a family reunion. No one's ever like, oh, you have a family reunion? Why can't every family go to that reunion? Exactly. What makes it so nice and important to have your family at a reunion? You know, and you're and things like, we just kind of like each other and there's like a shared experience there and it makes a lot of conversations sort of easier because, you know, you get to like learn secrets, like how everyone deals with Aunt Linda, like that kind of... Yeah stuff that only we can like that only if you've had that shared stuff for and flamecon again like anyone can attend we love when straight people come it's totally fine like we don't pat you down at the door you don't have to (laughs) wear a different armband or anything like you just come but it's not it's not designed with you in mind and that's that's the difference like we build it and we think about it and we we think about and talk to the queer audience that we look to serve that's the core of, of FlameCon, and that's the focus. Especially, like, in this post-election world I'm, I'm living in, like, a big portion of our time next year is going to be spent sort of figuring out what that means if anything has to change. Yeah. And hopefully not, but that's not a – I'm not someone who's like, we just live in the benevolency and hope for the best. We have to prepare and think about, like, what's going to make people feel safe in an environment that becomes – potentially more hostile if we have that. Those things are, are questions that need to be answered, but also like those aren't questions that New York Comic Con is asking itself. Those aren't questions exactly. we're getting at San Diego Comic Con because it's a convention for everyone. And sometimes there's a lot of beauty and, and amazingness in that because anyone can come. And sometimes what that actually means is like it's a convention for everyone who feels safe in a large group of people right now. And that's exactly can be very dependent upon how you feel. Yeah. And is um, that creating like a safety as well? Yeah. There's such a, a love at FlameCon that feels really nice that, that that's very much like, oh, you're meeting everyone for the first time, but it doesn't feel like that because there's a component to it of like, hey, I'm just glad you're here. And I'm glad you're here. You know, like there's a very excited to have you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like I met so many of the people I met, just like the vendors that were there were extremely friendly, super cool. One of them I ended up interviewing for the podcast, just uh, Mighty Tony. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, and it was awesome. He actually had a um, pop up in Soho. So I went down there, checked it out, and then I interviewed him after. So nice. But that's what I'm saying. You go to, and like, you know, like there were people there, they were taking pictures, posting it to social. Like everyone was just very warm, very loving, like, no one was judgy or anything. You know, you just felt really welcome there. Right. And and I think part of that really does come down to, like, it coming to New York Comic Con for the first time for me was so eye-opening and amazing and just really, like, oh, I'm among nerds. Like, I'm among, like, people like me. I'm having a conversation obsessively about, like, a comic that no one cares about. The question moves from, have you read it, to, like, who's your favorite – and then you get into people who love the same thing you love. And that feeling is a little bit like, I mean, like coming to a big comic convention is, is a little bit like coming to a gay bar for the first time, right? Like you're, you're suddenly like, 
oh, I'm not a big weirdo on my own here. Yep. A big weirdo amongst other big weirdos. And so, like, when you get into, like, meeting and hanging out with nerds, and I think that's really important if you're a nerd, is you get to be obsessive and weird and specific about stuff that no one else does. You don't have to be, like, stoned with your friends talking about big ideas. You can just be sitting in the back of a cab being like, here's how I would fix this comic, right? Like, I remember once me and my husband saw a movie with a a friend of mine uh, from South, and his husband and... Oh, God, it was, uh, like, the, the Spider-Man, uh, the one with Andrew Garfield, the Nazi sequel, the amazing mm-hmm. and whatever. And it was it was really funny because afterwards, me, and, <laughs> me and, and my friend, like, we had left our husbands, like, a block and a half behind because we were just talking back and forth about all the things they got wrong about Mary Jane and, like, or Gwen, uh, Gwen Stacy and just sort of going through and, like, talking about all the things we'd fix and, like, the parts we liked and, like, super obsessive and then was, like, Oh, and, and what did you two think? And both of them were like, it was fine. And it was such a very clear disconnect of talking to somebody about something you love and talking to somebody about something they like. And I think that's a regular comic convention. And then at, at PlaneCon, and the reason why we have a queer one is because you add into that element of, nope, I don't have to come out to you because you know that I'm here. And I don't have to tell you I'm a nerd because you know that I'm here. And when you like, mix those, it's people and jelly, and it's just that, like, amazing experience of talking to people who love the same stuff you love and love it a lot like you do and also are like cool with all the ways that you might subversively like things and i think that really mixes in some real cool feelings that make everything a lot more welcoming yeah absolutely and i think this idea sort of i mean i had even an episode about this where the sense of grouping people together in good ways, right? Like, because you have that sense of community, you can relate to these people. Like you, like for me, even like, I finally found like, wow, there are other people that are like me that have these interests that I thought never existed. But then there's the flip side of the coin where it's like, are these like groupings making us sort of more against each other and this, this common theme. So to me, it just, it's very interesting just to see how things progress Especially with those things in mind, right? Right. Community is really important, right? And and I think it's something where the next phase, the next kind of experience goes from where you, you know, finding yourself to finding others, right? Like the first step for people is to sort of discover what they want and then finding other people who want the same things and then you have community. And that, I think, is, is a really important aspect of this where – you know, the goal is to keep it it being a place that, that allows people to find new art, to to explore and and discover new things they like. And and so like building a community of people who are curious and excited and and nerdy uh, and queer is something that I'm I'm so happy to be a part of and and also like excited to see the limits of right and and hoping that we don't hit any so yeah. just like bigger lovier each and every year until uh, you know it's it's the, the, the entire planet <laughs> no absolutely 
Do you want to talk a little bit about um, Geeks Out and sort of, I don't even know, is it something that you do on the side or is this something that you do full time? Oh, no. Geeks Out is a, a, a fully volunteer organization. Okay. We are entirely, we're nonprofit completely and uh, our official 501c3 nonprofit. And uh, as part of our charter, none of the board members or uh, can, can earn revenue or income of any kind from New York. Got it. So it's an entire side project. There may one day be somebody that we hire to do accounting or something along those lines and that's allowed. But like anybody who's on the board is doing so entirely volunteer. And we, uh, you know, it's presents its own challenges and also a lot of thrilling excitement because there do exist other conventions out there that, that are fully profit oriented. And because we aren't, it becomes a lot easier to sort of take risks and, and get excited about stuff that not necessarily every convention does. Right. Yeah. So like we have a really amazing and wide, uh, group of, of volunteers that we can sort of call on for, for anything. And sometimes people will come up with just like ideas that they love so much that they get other people excited about. When we banned guns at this year's convention, which physical guns have always been banned because New York, but also obviously. Um, and then this year we banned toy guns. We just said like no weapons, like that's going to be our policy. Like you can't have anything that resembles a gun, works like a gun, operates like a gun, looks like a gun, or even looks like a space ray version of a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we did that, and then uh, one of our volunteers was like, or, or even uh, just just was like, what if we gave people who wanted weapons, what if we had like a thing where we just gave them rubber chickens? And like it started off as a joke, and then we wound up being like, let's just do that. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> we have all these photos of people who like didn't know about the weapons band or didn't have that, so they gave us uh, their toy guns to check. <laughs> and we like, posing with like rubber chickens throughout the day, and it's totally dumb but also incredibly funny. And I, you know, it's just that kind of like creativity and, and sort of community driven weirdness is, is just so great. And you can do it when you've got, you know, when you're, when you're spending late hours to make no money to do a thing that like will exhaust you, you wind up getting small, weird joy from like, yeah, (laughs) thrilling stuff. And, and that, I love that part of it on my end because when the convention actually happens, I'm running around. You know, I'm going from place to place to make sure nothing's on fire, and I'm I'm looking in on rooms, making sure that the people that we said would be there would be there, and that things are running smoothly. Or I'm like doing small tasks that we just have to get done, right? So like, we need a bunch of paper clips, and no one brought paper clips, so run to the store and get paper clips. And I'm like running out to get something. Or <laughs> we had we had a, a big convention part happening, and and we realized that one of the rooms that was supposed to have a, a wheelchair ramp didn't have one. So we were figuring out where we were going to get one or like how we were going to get one and like what level of rearrangement of the rooms needed to happen, that kind of stuff. And that conversation became a lot of just communication that had to happen. And I, I missed a couple different, like, like a panel that I was excited about. And that just kind of happened. So you don't get to experience the convention that way. So a large swath of it for me is really like seeing people enjoy what I've laid out more than getting to be a sort of like, I guess being a chef mm-hmm. of sorts, you go from planning like a meal at your house to a meal at your restaurant where you're like, the thing I'm going to enjoy is watching people eat it and not actually sitting down and having some. It's always like the nicest part is to see people getting excited about dumb ideas you have that wind up working and being funny. 
And so with Geeks Out, though, aside from FlameCon, there are other events that go on year-round, correct? Yeah, we do events monthly, generally. Uh, Our next one is our big holiday party, where we're going to do a fundraiser for someone. We're deciding which organization and how we're going to fundraise. And so throughout the year, we'll do events like that. And then we'll also go to comic conventions, like larger ones. So like C2E2, New York Comic Con, PAX East, Southwest, and Awesome Con, which is amazing down in D.C., and and a few others, like Boston Comic Con and, and such, where we'll you know, and this was the sort of start of Geeks Out for us, was going to these larger conventions and then making sure that there was some sort of queer-centric panel and space. So we'd show up, we'd get people talking, we'd make sure that there was, like, some kind of, like, component to that con that, like, acknowledged the queer fans who were there and sort of creating space, safe space within a larger one. And that, those are always really fun because you get to meet a lot of people, you get to, like, sort of uh, get excited about other people's cosplay and like then tell them about like what the org does. And we run a, a blog that covers news and pop culture stuff with a queer eye. And the events and the space where we get together for like dancing or going to a movie or one year we got together and we did a uh, build your own superhero thing where we got like just a bunch of parts from old uh, action figures and got people to sort of make Frankensteinian gay versions of of their usual. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it was fun. Like those kinds of events become really like I'm I'm sorry to like keep bringing it back to the election, but like with everything the way that it happens, it's just Yeah. Uh, it's it, hard it, not to. <laughs> yeah. It's just so nice. It's it's just nice to be reminded like that there's so much of the world out there that is filled with people who like stuff you like and and actually are decent and funny and weird and nice. And the events that Geeks Out throws are the start of that, where you wind up, I can't emphasize this enough, but like when you are a gay nerd, for a lot of times you actually have to choose whether or not you're going to be gay that night or a nerd that night. And and with Geeks Out events, you don't have to. And they become like sort of in some ways the best kind of gay bar where it's like you may hook up, like it's not a super hook-up-y like kind of feel. It's It's mixed, which is really nice. You're mostly going to like get a little drunk if you drink and wind up laughing a lot with people you don't know because it's not clicky. Yeah. Um, I, I like that that element and vibe of it that just becomes really like very different from other gay bar experiences where you can get a little nervous about like, oh, am I going to know anybody there? Or like, what's the music going to be like? Or how is this? And they're really uh, sort of gathering together about stuff you're interested in. And, and culture you like takes a lot of that tension away of like what's going to happen next that I really makes me happy. Yeah. Well, the key word in what you, that you said there to me at least was clicky. Cause I find the same thing. Even if I go to quote unquote lesbian bars or clubs or events, a lot of them tend to be super clicky. I feel like a lot of the time when you also have an interest associated with something you're more likely to bond over something and be kind of less pretentious in ways, or maybe not pretentious, but it, it's just this weird vibe that certain kind of gay-centered or lesbian-centered bars will give off. No, I think it's very true. Yeah. I think there's a, like, it's 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 not intentional on people's parts, right? Like, they're yeah. not looking to sort of, like, segment themselves, but it winds up being really hard, I think, especially in, in an environment where where you are, like, amongst queers, to sort of figure out what guidelines are between like flirtation and friendship. When you've got an activity, like a group activity, 
it really does let people feel a little bit more like I'm going to be part of hanging out in this way that doesn't force me to first figure out what we're talking about. Doesn't first force one of us to decide to say hi. Yeah. Cause like we're already here. Exactly. And I think that really does make for a better experience across the board. Absolutely. So my question for you, how do you balance this all? Because this, see, I mean, this could essentially be a full-time job and you're doing this in addition to that. So how do you sort of balance that with everything else on your plate? Uh, poorly. No, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's weird. I mean, I guess like, like it's funny. I, uh, me and my husband just got back from vacation and during that I was like, on my, you know, I'm just on my phone all the time replying to emails. Like a big part of, of planning is actually just being available, right? Yeah. Because a lot of times, like, people are just like, I've got a quick question. You're like, I can give you five minutes. I can give you, like, the more time you can sort of spread out, the better. But the biggest part is just, it's cliche, but I, I have a fantastic team. There's just, people are really passionate and excited and they've got, they want to they help and do stuff. And so one of the things that they, they do is, you know, it's just responding to emails, reaching out to people, thinking about things they want to grab onto, sending stuff forward, and then meetings where, where people take on new things. Like I, I'm really good and, and skilled at people management in terms of just like, I'm great at a very fast email and I'm terrible at like design. I don't know what colors go together. I have no <laughs> idea what fonts are. I couldn't tell you what things change. I can build a, a volunteer form extremely fast and I know how to send that out to a bunch of people and I know how to like put down a meeting agenda. And so I think uh, like the biggest swath about it is, is really being able to let stuff go when you have a lot of decisions that need to be made. I think for a lot of people, what can wind up happening is you, you build something and then you wind up being like, this is my baby and no one else gets to touch this baby. And then you get into it and you're like, Oh, I have like, there's like 35 people who are excited and interested in what we're doing and, and they want to help and they want to do things and they want to put stuff together. And if I only want them to make my vision, it one won't be as inclusive and two, I won't get anything done because I'll be too busy looking for the perfect thing that I want. Yeah. And so a lot of the time it means going in and saying like, okay, here's the thing that we need done, however you can get it done. And then people come back and you're like, that's not what I was expecting, but it's better, you know? And like being sort of flexible and fluid in that way is really important. And then the other thing is just like, you just have to make sure that, that you're not over-promising, that you're not getting so excited about stuff that you're actually like biting, taking chewable bites, you know? It isn't my career. It's not my full-time job. It's not the thing that actually puts uh, organic cat food in my cat's mouth. <laughs> it's a passion. It's a hobby. It's a thing I get excited about. It's, it's work that I feel like could one day be the thing that is my life's work. That, that doesn't mean it's ever going to, that doesn't mean it's ever going to be anything other than like something I do on the weekends and on my downtime. But that means that I need to be in it for the long haul. So that means, you know, so it's, it's, Figuring out ways to seed power and and responsibility and, and work to other people while also maintaining your availability so that people who are working and, and spending their time like you are don't feel alone and don't feel like 
they're not being heard, you know? Yeah. That's always just a big, real and exciting challenge and also frustrating as I'll get out when like, you're like, oh, I, I completely forgot something and now I need to get that done in 15 minutes, which should have taken a month and a half or something. Yeah. And there's, there's always things happening. And so sometimes when you have a crisis, it can be a challenge because like, unlike work where you can sort of take time off or take a sick day, you know, there's just stuff like where it's like, Oh, no one is going to get this done because it's mine and I have to do it. And I need to take time to do it. Even though all I want to do is like lay down underneath the covers and not talk to anyone. Yeah. That can be challenging, but going out and, and doing stuff for me at least tends to be a bit of a, a cure all for, for emotional stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. So where do you see the future of the LGBT community? Oh God, I've got a super inappropriate joke that I shouldn't say. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess like the biggest thing for me is I'm expecting as people become less tethered to their gender at younger and younger ages, which I hope happens Mm -hmm. that like, as we are less emphatic about the differences between men and women. Absolutely. I expect queerness to become in some ways a lot more mutable, right? A lot more important about that kind of queerness and more important in terms of like people who I want to identify that way rather than as, as an action, but actually as a lifestyle. So like, it won't be that you sleep with men or that you sleep with women because everyone will sleep with both. It'll be more like, I'm queer because I don't necessarily view biological family as the primary thing. And I think that'll wind up being a bigger and bigger role for people in terms of what their queerness means. I think there are lots of people, gay men, who really like the heterosexual lifestyle. You know, the kids, the car, the whatever. Kids in a car, that's, I guess there's also a house, white picket fence, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then I think there are lots of straight people who like the idea of a childless existence where you have lots of friends and you your focus becomes a lot more on things like Friendsgiving and and being able to stay out late and sort of doing things where you're connecting with individuals as opposed to like rearing and childhood, that kind of stuff. And I think that'll wind up being the bit more of the dividing line than it is now where it's you're gay and you can have kids. I think in the future it'll wind up being like, oh, they're queer and we can tell they're queer because they throw late night parties and uh, <laughs> dyeing their hair, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny thing because I was actually having a conversation about this last night and this idea of gender roles, right? Or like, mm-hmm. kind of like, I was talking about how someone once assumed that I played the more masculine role in a relationship and how that that assumption should not be made and that those don't even – gender roles don't even necessarily exist in relationships, especially same-sex relationships. And the person brought up an interesting point to me. She's like, but a, a straight person is trying to understand it in a way that they can process it and that's the only way that they can process it. Huh. And I never thought about it that way. I was like, wow, that's, I mean, I thought about it of, of them just being sort of ignorant, like, oh, you know, like, which one of you is the man, which one of you is the woman type of thing, just to be like, you know, right. a same sex relationship is just like a heteronormal relationship, but one of you plays each role. But it's not necessarily like 
that's like a completely different perspective, right? That they are like, oh, that like that's how they can almost like justify it or process it in in their mind. And I'm like, that's that's kind of interesting. It's just something I never thought about. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I feel like like for lots of people, right? If you don't if you don't have a, have an experience that makes you non-normative in the world of of straightness, why would you ever assume that there is such a thing as relationships you haven't thought about, you know? Like if you don't have that displayed for you is why media is so important in this way. If you don't have models for how you can live your life that don't include straight relationships, frankly, you're never going to have an understanding of like, oh, actually, like lots of my activities are performative. Lots of things aren't tied to me the way that I think they are. These aren't actually core facets of my personality necessarily, but they are things that I enjoy or they're not things that I enjoy. And there's actually a way I can set them down. I think a lot of people don't, you know, they, they go through and they, they work on their life and they, they look for happiness the way they want it, but they don't, they don't get shoved out of the sort of safety net of their of their own gender, frankly. And so they don't realize like, oh, actually, I don't like doing this until they realize they don't have to. Yeah. They just don't think about it as like or dislike. They just think about it as have to. It's interesting to imagine that where that question could come from if you didn't have a way out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, huh. Something to ponder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but with that said, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great. Oh. If our listeners want to reach you, where is the best place for them to reach you? Nowhere. They can't. (laughs) Uh, I don't trust listeners. Um, No, you can find me on geeksout.org or on Twitter at geeksout. Or if you want to just talk to me, I'm at Joey Stern on Twitter. Awesome. Great. Listeners, thank you again so much for tuning in. You can find us, as always, on NakedAndInsideOut.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and Google. Social media, Naked and Inside Out on Instagram and Facebook. Tumblr is NakedAndInsideOutPodcast.tumblr.com. Thank you again for listening. We look forward to hearing what you say about this episode. Feel free to send me any feedback at hello at NakedAndInsideOut.com. Thanks again. Until next time.